wasn't like something I even thought about when I first started making YouTube videos. But then we started getting comments from kids being like, well, I didn't know this was engineering. This is this is cool. And then the crazy thing is, since we've been doing it for so long, um, the amount of comments we got is like, I went to engineering school because of you. And now <laughs> it's been four or five years. We get comments being like, I just graduated engineering school because I was inspired by your videos. And it's just like, whoa, that's that's really cool. And like we we say we inspire lots of people and I'm sure we do, but it, it's almost like we don't even realize the impact that we have. Like, like you said, um, all it takes is one person um, that we inspire who goes in engineering and then maybe solve some world problem. So uh, what was it like uh, working with uh, Mr. Beast and traveling with uh, the Proto Saber? Or you had the Proto Saber shipped, I believe. You tried yeah. to get through the so airport. We, we drove with it, it down. Okay. Um, still got detained. Uh, I think it was actually because I was, I was just in Istanbul the day before. So the U.S. government was like, what are you doing? Like, you, you were in Istanbul and now you're back in Canada and now you're in the U.S. <laughs> so they flagged me, I think, for that. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, Mr. Beast was great. We learned a lot from him. It's, it's crazy how much work goes into his videos. The one thing we learned is like, we think our videos are pretty, like our projects are pretty impressive. The stuff he plans for like 20 seconds of his video are more complicated than what we do in most cases. Like it's really everything into that video. And the crazy thing is when he has multiple locations, he's got multiple production teams production team at each location like for the lightsaber video there's probably like six or seven people there from his team just hanging out for the morning whatever when he shows up he was there for like two minutes flat and then gone <laughs> and it's just like all this prep work all this stuff and then bam just it's it's over and that was something we realized it's just like so many people like they see the big amounts of money that he gives away, like hundred thousand dollars. If you win this or keep the Ferrari, if you keep your hand on it, yada, yada. And it's just like, Holy shit, he's giving away so much money. The reality is his production, his videos cost far more than what he's giving away. Like on average, upwards of half a million dollars a video kind of thing, just to produce the damn thing. Wow. Alone the cash giveaway. It's, it's crazy, but he, he's, a master of YouTube. Like he's continually like revised how he does things, um, chasing the highest retention rates possible to maximize views. And um, yeah, it's crazy. We also had a chance to meet with uh, Darren, his, uh, uh, the guy who runs Beast Philanthropy, which is really awesome. That's one of his sub channels that all the income from that channel goes to um, charities and things like that. And they run food banks and all kinds of stuff. And it's really amazing that he like, he gives so much back. Like he, he's really not in it for money. He is in it to become the biggest YouTuber in the world. And I have no doubt he will succeed. Um, but it's not about becoming a millionaire or billionaire. It's about giving back. And that's a, it's a pretty awesome thing. Like there's, I can't think of any other YouTubers like him. Absolutely. And that's something that you do in a way as well. Uh, you give back to the community by uh, showing kids uh, what they can do in STEM, the careers that they can have, how they can apply it to, 
you know, make an Iron Man suit <laughs> to become the first Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, so is that something that you thought about uh, when you're getting into it? Or was it sort of an organic thing that, you know, you show this content and, uh, you know, kids pick up on it and maybe they get into STEM because of that? Yeah, it, it was pretty organic. It definitely wasn't like something I even thought about when I first started making YouTube videos. But then we started getting comments from kids being like, well, I didn't know this was engineering. This is this is cool. And then the crazy thing is, since we've been doing it for so long, um, the amount of comments we've gotten is like, I went to engineering school because of you. And now <laughs> it's been four or five years. We get comments being like, I just graduated engineering school because I was inspired by your videos. And it's just like, whoa, that's, that's really cool. And like, we, we say we inspire lots of people and I'm sure we do, but it's almost like we don't even realize the impact that we have. Like, like you said, um, all it takes is one person um, that we inspire who goes in engineering and then maybe solve some world problem because they figured out this this thing or the first Iron Man comes out because I inspired some kid by showing what I can do on YouTube. And it's it's pretty cool. And the neat thing is you'll really have no idea down the road short of like that person being like, you inspired me. And yeah, it's that's OK. It's it's cool having that kind of impact. And even though I want to do so much more and have a big impact on this world, um, I probably already have had a bigger impact than I even realized, which is just a pretty neat thing to think about. For sure. Because for every kid um, who, you know, messages you or, or, you know, you see at a convention or something who says, you know, you inspired him uh, or her, there are, you know, 50 other kids who feel the same way that you never hear from. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe one of them joins your team as part of uh, Hacksmith Industries. Yeah. Some we, we found as well. some of our best, best employees started as fans. And while it's not necessarily easy to get a job here, I'm sure you've got the skills and you're in the area, like it's possible. And we've, we've got some, some awesome team members who, who started out as high school co-ops even. And like now they're full-time, full-time employees here and we're doing really neat stuff. So speaking of your team, how many employees do you have at this point and how much, um, of the concepts do they come up with and how much are you involved? Cause your background is in engineering. Yeah. Uh, but I, I can imagine that there are a lot of things that are probably out of your wheelhouse. So how much of it is a collaborative effort? Uh, to be honest, most of the creative does still come from me. Um, our team is up to 22 employees right now. That doesn't include, that does include three full-time uh, university uh, interns. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like we do sometimes get ideas from other people, but ultimately we're trying to make a good YouTube video. And um, as the hacksmith, I'm the one who knows the most about YouTube. So we always end up having to tweak kind of our ideas to um, what we think will do best on the platform. And um, yeah, to, to be honest, like the ideas are the easy part. Um, especially with Make It Real, we're just taking a concept from a movie or a comic book or a video game and trying to make it real. So the problem-solving part, yeah, that's definitely not all me anymore. Um, we assign it to one of our engineers or makers, and they figure out 
what kind of tech's available. They do some tests. And um, especially with this new strategy we're doing, um, really, it's kind of like you run with this project until you can prove it works to me. Mm -hmm. And then once you prove it works to me, that's when we kind of green light it fully to, okay, we're going to make a video about this. Um, so we've got some exciting projects in the works right now where I've seen some amazing demos and I'm super excited to actually like put it together. And that's, that's one of the coolest parts is because I'm, I'm able to hi hire really smart, talented people who have skills outside of my wheelhouse. So for example, the John Wick suit, it's a really cool story. A year ago, um, this girl from the University of British Columbia sends me an email. Her name's Anastasia. She's a second year engineering student at UBC. And she has 10 years experience as a seamstress tailoring men's suits in Hollywood. And she sends me an email asking for an internship because John Wick 4 was supposed to come out this year. And she's like, I have an, in I have a internship available January to May. I want to make you a John Wick bulletproof suit. And I'm like, you're hired. <laughs> like, I can't do that myself, but that's the coolest thing ever. Um, so flash forward to today, um, she's here, she's working on a suit. Um, we've actually extended her internship to the end of the summer because it turns out it's really hard to make a bulletproof suit. And even just the research stage has taken us four months already. Um, but it's, it's really cool that um, in the position I am with having this business and having these resources and contacts, I'm able to hire people to do things that I couldn't do. And together we can create these really cool projects. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I know it's a balance between uh, the social media content and, you know, time at the warehouse uh, coming up with these things. So how do you balance that time? Mm -hmm. And um, what, what are you doing more of these days? Is it more focused on content creation or are you more in the lab figuring things out? Uh, it's, it's constantly changing, um, as the business has grown, it's constantly changed. And I've realized I've stopped doing things that I like doing and got caught up in the boring part of business. Um, I'm trying to work my way back to doing more of the creative. Um, I do really enjoy problem solving. Um, I've actually been working on a few projects off camera just because the other thing is depending on how you film the video, it can take the fun out of making something. Um, and that's something that I've been kind of burnt out with for a while now. So I'm actually working on a collapsible Hawkeye bow. Nice. That has a full draw weight string that will wow. auto deploy. Lots wow. of people have made a collapsible bow before, but it uses like an elastic string. Uh -huh. I'm trying to make one that you can actually whip out auto string <laughs> and shoot an arrow in a matter of seconds. And I'm fairly confident that I've figured it out 99% of the way. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to actually finish that. And then maybe once I finish it, I'll be like, okay, I'll figure out how to make a video about this because it's actually pretty cool. But sometimes you just want to go to the shop and work, but because, because our process has changed and we have like videographers on staff, you got to plan time for the videographer to follow you to do the video. And it's just like inspiration strikes whenever. When I was when it was just me in the garage and I filmed myself with a tripod, I could be working on a project at 2 a.m. and it was fine. Now I'm not allowed to work on a project at 2 a.m., even though maybe I shouldn't be working on a project at 2 a.m., but maybe I want to be working on a project at 2 a.m. <laughs> but if there's no one around to film me, now I'm not actually working. I'm 
So it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. been a huge learning process. It feels like we're on the right path, um, especially with doing less videos now. Like we're, mm-hmm. we used to do a video a week. And what we found was that was too much of being on the, the YouTube treadmill where it wasn't what video should we make? It was what video could we make? And you take a hit to performance there because if you're just making videos for the sake of making videos, either you need a really diehard audience or you don't care about views. So our new strategy is only releasing videos when we think they're done and really making good videos. And that's the same thing that Mr. Beast does. So we're looking at probably only releasing a video a month now, which honestly, in the beginning, the business is going to take a huge hit because the reason we're doing a video a week is because we need to do a video a week at the views we're getting to make enough money to even just pay for the overhead of this facility. So we'll probably be in the red for a few months while we get up to speed doing single videos. But the hope is those single videos outperform the four videos that we normally would have made. And now I actually have time to be a part of the video, to be a part of the design and not feel like a chicken with his head cut off trying to balance all these projects and videos going on. So it, it feels like we're moving in the right direction. And that's it's a pretty big relief to me. It's still a bit scary because if those views don't go up, then the company isn't sustainable doing a video a month and we'd have to look at other things we could do. So, Right. Yeah, I can understand it's a difficult balance, but the projects that you're doing and the builds that you're doing um, are new these are things that people have never created before so if you're creating something new once a month um like a new lightsaber or you know something that allows you to um you know uh levitate off the ground like yeah oh really wow okay that'd be really cool can you tell me a little bit about that uh sure uh (laughs) it won't be out in time for the movie i mean the movie comes out this week yeah which i'm excited for uh, so this is a great, this is another great example of hiring someone to do something that I couldn't do. I'm, I'm not a huge software guy. I'm a mechanical engineer, right. um, but I can come up with ideas. I'm like, it needs to do this. Like, no problem. So over a year ago now, I came up with the idea of doing a digital stunt wire system. So like five years ago, when I got my garage, we made a, <laughs> we made basically, we called it the adult jolly jumper. And we just put some pulleys in the ceiling. We had some sandbags attached to ropes and attached to a harness and basically made you weigh half as much so you could jump and do backflips and things. <laughs> it was pretty fun. It was just something we wanted to do at the time. And that kind of sparked the idea last year where I'm like, what if we had really powerful winches and you had those ropes on winches and you could precisely control those winches and move you around. So then the concept became, oh, So we could kind of make like a digital stunt wire system where you could have on an iPad, basically the 3D space you're in, and you could literally like click and drag and be like, I want this person to go from here to here. I want them to jump up onto this box and then jump off and land over here. And the neat thing is with software, you could program in all kinds of safeties. You can maximize the speed, like how many G-forces of acceleration do you want? One, two, three, um, and all these other other different things. So um, we actually got sponsored by Siemens, which is one of those really big automation manufacturing companies out there. And they sent us, I think, over $20,000 worth of really expensive giant motors, controllers, and drives. So we have the parts to build this, this stunt wire system, which is the original idea. But 
Um, the smart thing to do would be build a small scale version first to make sure it works. So I, I put one of my guys on it, Charles, and he's basically designed the system with these small winches. I think it's still capable of lifting like 50 pounds or something. And it's a three wire system. So you have this triangle of space and we actually set it up in the shop. Um, it's spanning like, I don't know, 30 by 20 feet triangle. And basically you can position an object anywhere in that space, just using those three wires and varying how much you pull them with, with the winches. So um, the first project we're gonna do with that is we've modified a Doctor Strange cloak to have support in the shoulder. We've attached this fishing line to it. And now this cloak can fly around the shop <laughs> anywhere. And it looks amazing. Like the, the really neat thing is, um, in the movie, it was just like full CGI. Right. We've made this cloak, like this practical effect yep. that actually is real. And just list, just hearing the cloak like fly. Yeah. It's just like this, actually, it won't look great, but I'll, I'll show you the video on my phone through the webcam. And uh... oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I was thinking that. Does that not look like the movie? That, that looks exactly like the movie. That's perfect. Even that that literally looks like it is flying around by itself. That is awesome. So uh, a bit more, bit more practice with that. We can set waypoints. Wow. Um, the plan so, is to do some kind of like fan event mm -hmm. and then ask the kid if they're excited about Doctor Strange or whatnot. And then yep. I kind of just snap my fingers and suddenly this cloak like flies in, lands on my shoulders. And it's <laughs> like... That would be perfect. So um, when it's flying around there, uh, is the software controlling it at that yeah. point? Okay. Uh, so that was actually just hand controlled on a PlayStation okay. controller, but wow. we can program in routines so we can, we can decide where to hide it or what looks good. And we can do all these different things. I feel um, like you would, it would take a lot of finessing to get it to actually rest on your shoulders. It, yeah. That might take a bit of practice. Um, but the nice thing is we, we can set base with waypoints. Yeah. So you can almost put it on my shoulders, press yeah. a button, save yeah. that point in space, take it away. And you can even do it where you just like reverse what you did. So we can take it away, hand control it, make it do some things and then hit another button and it just reach repeats its steps back to where you are. So there's lots of ways around it. Wow. So that's the awesome. Thing is, that's that's stage one of that project. The super, the, the final stage is obviously the stunt wire system where it, I'm attached to yep. it and I can do superhero landings all day long without breaking my knees. Um, you name it. Um, but the second stage of the project is a really fun one. And we're hoping to get this one out in time for the movie summoning Thor's hammer. So we put a hammer on there and now um, we're using a computer vision system. So if you lift up your hand for the hammer, it sees your hand, it knows you want the hammer and then Hammer wow. comes to your hand. Wow. Um, so, so that that's a, be really fun too. And then okay. we're designing a system into it to then release the cables. So you can grab it, the cables release, and now you walk away with the hammer. And it's just like, wait, what? Same with, same with the Doctor Strange cloak. Like once it lands on us, it then releases. So the hammer is a little more than 50 pounds though. Uh, we've got lighter hammers. Okay. Oh, yeah. You could just yeah, use we a lighter one. Heavy one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be cool, though, if you can eventually use the the actual hammer, the heaviest one that you have. 
Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that's cool stuff. And it has applications uh, for film as well. I mean, that, that's people... that's the neat thing, because the majority of our projects, we do them because they're not commercially viable. But this stunt wire system could actually be commercially viable. So depending on like how well it works, once we finally do it, we might I might spin up a new company and that company makes this product. Wow. That would be really, really fucking cool. <laughs> Today's episode of Innovation Tech Talks is brought to you by Omron. Omron is a world leader in technology designed to solve social issues, improve lives, and build a better tomorrow. They serve a range of industries which utilize their technologies to innovate and grow factory automation, healthcare, mobility, and energy management. In the industrial automation business, Omron technology demonstrates the power of machines to unleash human potential, pursuing the ideal in automation in which people and machines are working together in harmony. Omron provides sensing, control, safety, vision, motion, and robotics technologies for the automotive, food and beverage packaging, semiconductor, electronics, life sciences, and infrastructure industries. For over 80 years, Omron has helped industrial businesses maximize potential by solving problems with creativity. Learn more, go to automation.omron.com. Okay, and we're back with James Hobson. The Hacksmith. <laughs> yeah, those projects are just absolutely insane. Um, Thor's hammer, uh, the the flying, um, uh, the the flying Doctor Strange cloak. Doctor Strange cloak. Yeah, I mean it's just perfect. I mean this is stuff that you know people like me dreamed about growing up, and I'm sure you probably did too. Yep. <laughs> Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about what inspired you to start Hacksmith and the Make It Real series. Sure. Um, so basically in high school, that's when my journey kind of began into the, the engineering world. I really enjoyed what's called inter- integrated tech class. And it was basically like shop class with engineering. And that's when I learned, oh, this is engineering. I was like, oh, OK, I want to be an engineer, which led me to going to engineering school and yada, yada. But the reason I liked it was because you could build cool stuff. Like I was part of the robotics team uh, in high school. Um, We made electric scooters before those were a thing. Like, shoot, like 18 years ago, I converted a Razor scooter to electric. Really? And now they're like a common thing. But back then it was like, well, this is really neat. Like Zoom kind of thing. And basically throughout school my first job me and my my now business partner would work on cool projects just because we wanted to and in the beginning i used to document them on my blog and sometimes i'd take videos because it turned out i like making videos too and it was just a good way to document and share a project because unless i can let you see physically or hold a project that i made it's hard to show you what it is so I found that by making a video, I could share exactly what it is and how it works. Um, and I kind of kept doing that. And then YouTube opened up the partner program um, when I was graduating back in 2012. And I was like, oh, it'd be really awesome to make money off the internet doing what I already want to do. And uh, that's when I started making YouTube videos and came up with, with Make It Real and The Hacksmith. Um, it, and then I did that for a few years, didn't have any traction. Finally, I do the Elysium Exoskeleton project, and uh, that one really took off. It was my first like viral project, and it kind of gave me the courage that like, oh, people are interested in this kind of thing. Like, this might be a possibility. 
Um, fast forward a year and I bought a house with a really big garage because I saw having a big workshop as the ability to make bigger and cooler projects. And um, I kind of quit my job at the end of the year and put everything into the channel. I had maybe six months of savings to make it happen. And luckily that summer is when I did the Captain America electromagnet shield. And that video really popped off and the channel grew from 100,000 subscribers to half a million in a month. And suddenly we're a mid-sized channel, sponsorship deals started coming in. We started making money. It was just like, whoa. And from there on, we, we pretty much doubled year over year um, for almost four years straight. Views, subscribers, income, employees even. Um, and then 2020 hit and we've kind of like slowed down a little bit. And throughout 2021, we didn't grow that much. And now that's when we're trying to revise our strategy and start growing again. Right. Um, don't necessarily want to beat Mr. Beast, but I'd love to get to like 20 million subscribers and every video I post gets five, 10 million views. I, I think I'd be happy, but knowing me, once I get to that, I'll be like, oh, oh 30 million views or 40. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, and part of the reason I came up with Make It Real, besides it being cool to make things for movies, I also saw it as a very easy way to hit the mainstream audience. You can be a crazy inventor, but if people don't know what you're inventing, it's kind of hard to get an audience. But when I'm taking popular IP like Captain America and Iron Man and Spider-Man, it's a lot easier to make something from those and for you to actually be able to get views. So unlike most of the other maker channels that I kind of grew with in the beginning, um, we focused heavily on IP that was very popular. And I think that's what's been the key to so much of our success and growth. Absolutely. So um, how far away would you say you are from a full Iron Man suit with <laughs> some sort of flight capability? I know you have the pulsers. I know that you have uh, the helmet um, and you may have some sort of AI Jarvis system within that helmet. So how far away are you? Uh, I'd say we're still pretty far away. I do actually want to do a Mark One suit at some mm -hmm. point. Yep. Um, because that's actually the most realistic and practical. Sure. Maybe not the flying part so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's 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 one of the biggest challenges is the movies keep getting more and more ridiculous. Yeah. Um, especially with like Infinity War and Endgame. When Iron Man whips out the nano suit, it's just like, no. And yeah, the problem is possible. for for the young kids watching, it's just like, oh, the hacksmith can make that. Like, yeah. No, <laughs> it's a like, high bar. The, the, the <laughs> physics just. <laughs> so it's always the challenge managing expectations too. Um, even like building a standard Iron Man suit, let's say Mark II. It's such a small suit. The G-forces if you accelerated the right way he accelerated, you would become pudding on the inside. <laughs> yeah. um, him smashing into a wall, it's game over. Yeah. In the movie, it's no problem. Yeah. Sure. Like, there's a lot of a lot of real life limitations that unfortunately yeah. make a lot of parts of the suit just yeah. not possible. Momentum Is it possible keeps to have going. a fully armored suit with an exoskeleton? Totally. Yeah. Is it gonna be able to do the stuff that it does in the movie? Not quite. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, still, still pretty close. <laughs> um, so have you, uh, talked to Elon Musk at all about collaborating on something? 
seems uh, like I together. I've, I've been trying pretty hard. Um, yeah. Years ago, when he came out with the boring flamethrower, yeah. in one weekend flat, like Friday he announced it. In one weekend, I recreated it out of a Nerf gun and a propane burner and whatnot and posted it that Monday. Uh-huh. Um, my goal was to uh, make journalists think I had one of his guns before they were available. Didn't, didn't quite work. But at the very <laughs> least, I was hoping maybe he'd notice and be like, well, that's cool. Didn't happen. Um, then last year, or two years ago now, actually, when the Cybertruck was announced, I thought it was so cool, and I pre-ordered one, and I want one still. Maybe end of next year is what I'm hearing. But anyway, we set out and we built a half-scale version of it. One-eighth the volume. And it could still outperform an F-150, which we thought Elon would love. Like, we show it out-towing an F-150. Um, and we, we made some really awesome videos about it and whatnot. But again, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing from the big man himself. Uh, I did get a pretty funny newspaper uh, mention in our local newspaper. The, the heading was literally, hoping for a tweet from Elon Musk. And I was just like, wow, you reduced my entire project to hoping for a tweet. It's not quite what I meant when I said I was hoping for a tweet, <laughs> but uh, it was kind of fun. And then um, Bogdan, um, one of my lead engineers, uh, he designed the power loader. He also designed, designed the Cybertruck. Um, last year, he decided he wanted to build a 120th scale Starship. And he's actually got the full design for it, but we just, we don't quite have the time right now to actually do it. So it might be coming at some point. And if we can get it to like launch and land again, he better, he better give us a tweet at the very least. Um, I think so. I think you deserve at least. Third time he charmed, Come on. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I know he's a busy guy, but come on. <laughs> I think you guys deserve a tweet at this point. Uh so what is your biggest achievement uh, from your Make It Real series? And what was the hardest thing to bring to life? Uh, definitely the power loader. Um, we're still revising it. Uh, we've actually got some uh, exciting upgrades since the big test video. Um, we've got a full control panel built in. We added a 360 camera system to it. So you can actually see where you are at all times. Nice. <laughs> Um, and we're going to be upgrading it, giving it different weapons and accessories and whatnot. So there's a lot more content to come from that. And the other thing I'm excited about is, um, with COVID dying down a bit, or at least the world opening up, we want to get into live events because I think that'd be really cool. So, um, bringing a few scrap cars around and driving the power loader, destroying some cars. I think it'd be a pretty fun show along the same vein as like monster truck madness, but with a mech <laughs> yeah yeah which is pretty cool yeah uh, there's a lot that you can do with that yeah for sure so it's, it's definitely the most complicated piece of engineering we've done uh most expensive project most time consuming project and it's definitely um our our, our biggest biggest project biggest and best project so far yeah and it was worth it all the time and the money that you put into it i mean it's a beast it's a real mech yeah. <laughs> So um, what did it feel like uh, when you got the Guinness World Record for the first working retractable lightsaber? <laughs> it was pretty cool. Um, Huge video. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, I think it, if the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the first one was the exoskeleton and that really brought you into sort of a new sphere, I feel like uh, the proto saber really took it to the next level. 
Yeah, it was definitely our last biggest project that really it grew the channel a lot, like a couple million subscribers, uh, which was awesome. And the potential for we want, we want to chase that next project that, that outdoes that. It's kind of hard, though. A lightsaber is kind of one of those. Uh, it's up there it was probably one of the most sought after sci fi items out there. So uh, hopefully we can just get our uh, general views on YouTube up of better storytelling and better projects and just get lots of videos that get that kind of performance. Cause when you think about Mr. Beast's content, it's not based on any IP, but it still gets 50, hundred million views. So it's, it's definitely possible. It's just convincing the algorithm that you make quality videos and convince like giving a good story for the, the, the audience to watch. If it's something that unique, um, I think uh, people will tune in no matter how long you take. It could be two years and you come back with a fully functioning lightsaber um, with, uh, with no backpack. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so I saw that you're putting the Proto Saber up for auction uh, and bidding will be done with cryptocurrency. Uh, can yeah. you speak a little bit about that? Uh, sure. Uh, so basically we were approached by an agency who actually had this idea and uh, they're, they're pretty convinced we'll be able to sell it for somewhere in the, the six figure range, which we're like, you know what, we could, we could use that money to grow the business further. So if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it was an experiment. So that's the main reason that we, we did it and uh, I'm hoping it, it works out. Might not, who knows? Um, not too worried. Like, yeah, world's first lightsaber. But the reality is we can make another one if we want to, but we kind of want to make the next big thing anyways. Um, and for us, the video is almost more of the proof of the project than the actual project. We do like keeping all our projects. We have our own museum, which someday will open up to the public. Cool. But if we're able to sell the lightsaber for the, the amount we're hoping for, and it, it will have a, re a reserve bid of quite a high number, um, being able to take that money and, and do something bigger with it is more worthwhile than keeping around. So, sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. so why did you decide to, um, sell it, um, using Ethereum for the bidding? Um, mostly because it's attached to an NFT and that's where most NFTs live is with the, the Ethereum blockchain network. Um, I'm not hugely, uh, into blockchain myself. Um, so really, it, it really just is because of the agency that's helping do the marketing for it and whatnot was like, this is what we're going to do. This is what's going to work. And I was like, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> so the NFT is just um, the digital proof of the owner? Basically, yeah. Okay. So hypothetically, you could buy the lightsaber and then resell the NFT separately. Mm -hmm. Um is that going to happen? I kind of doubt it. Um, ideally, the, the hope is some rich person is like, I want the world's first lightsaber and we get a bunch of money out of it and we can continue growing our company and our projects and, and do the next world's first whatever and whatnot. So that's hey, the main reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would be uh, at the auction if I had the ability. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh is it possible to use electromagnetism to house a blade uh, that uses a laser or a plasma or other type of heat source and be able to just, you know, house the, the blade that way? 
So plasma can be manipulated with magnetic fields. The bigger issue is making a magnetic field in the shape of a lightsaber. I would be willing to say is near impossible. Okay. Um, the issue with magnetic fields is the power required um, in relation to density or not density distance is uh, exponential. So for your field to go from one inches to two inches, it basically needs the square of that to four inches and others like, and soon now you're talking about besides needing a nuclear power source (laughs) to power the lightsaber, you need that to power the electromagnet too. And then the other question is shaping a rod shaped beam from a handle. I don't, I'm not an expert in electromagnetism, but I don't see that being very possible. Could you make an electromagnetic chamber and house a blade? Sure. But now you've effectively made a lightsaber inside of a microwave oven. And it's, that's pretty useless. Not so that practical. There's, a, there's some issues there. Um, hypothetically, the closest we could make it is potentially some kind of high heat material or metal kind of police baton style with holes in it and the same torch method. So you have a solid core and you have the flame around it. There's a lot of issues with that though. Um, If you heat up that police baton, even if it doesn't melt, it might get stuck open. So you might be able to extend your lightsaber once, but never retract it. Kind of sucks. Um, So currently our goal is just on getting a cordless plasma proto saber which is what our current design is with uh, the oxygen propane. And you can do oxygen hydrogen, which gets you another thousand degrees Fahrenheit, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, And also focusing on really having a foolproof way of doing different colors. And if we can do that, we're going to do a whole series of different blades um, from the movies. We're working on Obi-Wan Kenobi right one right now um, with the release of Kenobi on Disney plus. Um, we'll obviously do a Darth, Ma- uh, Darth Maul one, Darth Vader, probably Qui-Gon Jinn, Luke Skywalker, you name it. Um, cool. And it'll be pretty neat to be able to have multiple lightsabers, different colors, because it's still the closest thing to look like a real lightsaber out there. Yeah. Even if it doesn't have a solid blade right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're talking about somehow integrating the salts that you're using um, for it to be a constant uh, flow of, of color, yep. basically. Okay. And basically, it's not too hard to do. Basically, what we need to do is just create a uh, mold to make a ring of salt that you can literally install on the blade and have the fire go through it. And then, bam, the whole blade is that color. There you go. We've done a bit of research into a hydraulic forming of salt crystals. (laughs) As you do. Random random thing. Um, so speaking of, uh, star Wars, uh, do you have any big plans or reveals for, uh, May the 4th? Uh, that's when our auction begins for the world's first proto proto saber. So awesome. Hopefully tie off some of the, the media hype with that. Um, other than that, the Kenobi lightsaber, uh, hopefully we'll have the video out at least in the middle of the season. Um, we'll get it out as soon as possible, but we want to make sure it's, it's awesome. Um, but yeah, we're doing a lot of cool development with the lightsaber tech, um, really turning into a fully custom solution that we've we've designed ourselves, which is just pretty cool. Absolutely, I love it. Uh, as soon as it uh, gets down to mass production, I'm there. 
<laughs> not a lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of uh, mass production, I noticed that in your store, um, most of the stuff that is for sale is merch, is Hack, yeah. Hacksmith merch. Uh, have you considered um, starting to crank out either the magnetic shields or maybe some of your other projects, other smaller projects uh, to be available to the public? It's definitely something we're working towards. The big issue is for any of our big projects like that, they're attached to an IP, which means we can't just go selling Captain America electromagnetic shields without Disney suing us. So uh, there's a few ways around that. Either like if we get the shield from an official reseller of Disney Disney products, we could pr- we could potentially do it the proper way where the shield is licensed and our kit is not because our kit is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now we just we haven't had time to pursue that. Um, that is one of the projects that we thought of though. Like an electromagnetic shield kit is a pretty cool kit to do and it could be pretty popular it's still our number one video with i think like 41 42 million views which is pretty crazy um but yeah it's it's definitely something we're working towards we're just we're learning lots through our merch designing new uh, designing and developing new products and things and uh it, it's pretty fun I'm, I'm i'm pretty excited about some of the stuff we have in the works um doesn't sound fancy, but I'm working on designing the perfect pair of pants. Um, perfect. I really pants. like the ones I have, but there's a few tweaks that could just make them perfect. And uh, it's not really our, our normal stuff, but I'm I'm really passionate about making really great products, really great everyday carry kind of products. That basically that's that's the threshold. I don't sell anything that I wouldn't use myself. Right. And I like good stuff. So you yeah. can trust that the products I sell are awesome. And yeah, you can check I, it out at Hacksmith Dust Store. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I've ever found the perfect pair of pants. Uh, so I would be go. very interested. And, you know, I don't think you know until you put them on and you say, you know what? These are the best pair of pants. In fact, they're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the dream. <laughs> yeah, that is the dream. Um, so... Uh, You've made the, the Captain America shield. You've made the Iron Man helmet and the gloves with the pulsers. Who was your favorite uh, comic book character of all time, Marvel or DC? I'm guessing it's either Iron Man or Captain America, but I could be way off. Wolverine. Wolverine. Okay. Hello, Canadian. Yeah. Um, he's the one who, if I could choose any powers, it would be his super strength and regenerative healing. I figure I've already got the brain. Iron Man's possible. If I had Wolverine's powers and Tony Stark's intellect, I'd be unstoppable. Absolutely. <laughs> so to um, work on becoming the real life Wolverine, you'd have to use like CRISPR or something. You'd have to get into genetics at that point. Where there's a will, there's a way. Axe <laughs> Industries becomes as big as I hope it will be. Multi-billion dollar company. You can bet I'll be working on real life superhero stuff. <laughs> I've already got a titanium plate in my hand, so oh yeah, halfway there. Okay, yeah, I know you just injured uh, your ankle. Um, was that uh, part of doing a project, or yeah, what just, happened uh, there? Hit some mud on my one wheel. Ah, okay, <laughs> nothing exciting. Okay, the the metal plate though, that's from uh, catching a baseball at ninety miles per hour. Wow, that was fun. Yeah, that'll do that. That was project related. And the funny thing about that project was we were building a baseball cannon. 
but it wasn't the baseball cannon that threw the ball that shattered my hand. No, it was just a normal human, an ex-professional pitcher who was showing us what a 90 mile per hour speedball was like. And he threw it uh, over the line a little bit and I didn't have the reaction time to move. And literally like I'm, I'm right-handed. And it was my left hand. So literally the ball hit me. It could have could have hit me in the gut, could have hit me in the face, hit me in the hand, broke my fifth metacarpal. Now there's a titanium plate in there with five screws. Ooh. And since I'm a local celebrity, I actually got the company that put the plate in to give me an extra plate so you can actually see exactly what's in my hand. Nice. Okay. That's quite literally what's going on in there. Uh, so you are like a fifth of the way there to yeah, adamantium claws. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got a, got my bone claws yeah. right by me at the desk. Nice. <laughs> are they pretty sturdy? These ones are, yeah. I've, I've yeah. punched through some concrete blocks with them and stuff. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll ask you one last question. Um, where do you see Hacksmith Industries in five years? So uh, something I haven't quite announced to the public yet. Uh, about a year ago, we actually bought 18 acres of land. Wow. And um, it's the future home of HERC, H-E-R-C, Hacksmith Engineering Research Campus. Nice. And the hope is to turn that basically into a real-life Avengers campus. Wow. Kind of thing. Um, be able to build absolutely anything in-house and hopefully at some point be able to run some kind of like summer camps or like bring other people there it's hopefully going to be a bit of a maker's mecca yeah basically we got the shop we got the tools we got the toys you got a cool idea yeah come on over let's make it together kind of thing yeah um, you've you've so got my, everything my, else just bring my ambition talent. is endless um which is a blessing and a curse <laughs> it means i might never be happy with how much uh, success hacksmith industry sees but it also keeps me hungry to continue growing the company and making it um, as, as big as possible and hopefully have the, the biggest impact it can on the world. And I hope to do that through products as well someday. Absolutely. And uh, yes, that will be a big part of it. And eventually battling supervillains because, um, exactly, yeah. you know, where uh, <laughs> when you where, create the first superhero, that's right. Be a supervillain. If comics have taught us anything, they've taught us that. <laughs> so, uh, 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 where can you? Uh, where can our listeners find out? Sorry, let me let me redo that. <laughs> where can our listeners find out more about Hacksmith Industries? You can find us anywhere on the internet simply by searching Hacksmith. We're the Hacksmith on YouTube, Instagram. You name it, you can visit hacksmith.tech, hacksmith.store, hacksmith.com, hacksmith.ca. I think we've bought all the domains. So if you search hacksmith, you'll find us. Okay. And what about the um, the metaverse domains? Uh, hack, uh, hacksmith.io, uh, hacksmith.x. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll get around to it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, I really, really appreciate you taking the time um, and telling us about some of your new projects coming up. They're super, super exciting. Uh, thanks for that sneak peek that you showed us um, with the uh, cape, the Doctor Strange cape. Um, I'm excited to see what you do with uh, Expos, uh, with this research facility that you're going to come up with. So sounds like you're doing 
big stuff. Uh, and I'll be keeping an eye on the Proto Saber uh, auction, even though I can't be a part of it. Um, I will be looking in. So um, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I love what you're doing. I love your videos. Um, and uh, thanks for just inspiring people to get into the field and, you know, to get into STEM and engineering specifically. I appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron. All right. Well, uh, I hope to uh, see you soon um, on various social media and uh, hopefully we can connect up some point in the future. Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks, man. Take care. Have a great day. You too.